So we are also opening our presents today. <laughs> so he's, uh, he's not the only one. We're leaving for Alberta tomorrow on Monday, and uh, I guess we'll see you uh, in February. So <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't disagree with the announcement. You know, it's, uh, it's as it's printed, so I guess that's what we're doing. No, it, it is a typo. We are coming back on December 31st, so it is only a week. I'm not... Some of you, though, are probably going to have uh, a January or February away somewhere much warmer than here, <laughs> which doesn't take very much, actually, to be much warmer than here. However, we are still very glad to be able to worship together here with you this morning. One of the things that uh, we, we realize as we come to this time of year is the excitement that it brings, especially for children. And so that's what is on my mind and heart this morning. And uh, I'd like to share some of that with you here today. So would you bow with me and let's pray. Lord Jesus, today we celebrate the fact that you came into this world as a child, as a baby. And so Lord, as we consider this time of year, we think of the children. We think of those who celebrate your birth with new eyes, with, with fresh excitement. And we pray, Lord, that some of that would rub off on us. Those of us who have celebrated Christmas Many times before, I pray that we would once again come to this celebration of you, God, the infinite creator, contained in the form of the smallest, most helpless thing we can imagine, a tiny infant. And yet as we think of this, Lord, we, we think of you, this upside-down God who does things in ways that seem backwards to us, that the, the, the least become the greatest in your kingdom, and you modeled this for us. And so, Father, I pray that today we would have our hearts excited again about what this means for us. Bless this word, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I have a confession to make. I have been officially diagnosed with baby brain. Now, for those of you who are familiar with this condition, most of you you know, are familiar with it mostly with women, you know, after having children and the sleep depri uh, you know, deprivation and all of those sorts of things, usually you associate having baby brain with, with only mothers, but it can happen to fathers as well. Experts say this condition is brought on by prolonged and intense periods of listening to a baby cry, being abruptly awoken by baby's cries multiple times a night, and side effects include, but are not limited to, Increased irritability, check. <laughs> Inability to remember names, check. Um, difficulty words putting together in order, correct, check. Um, I think I was in denial about my condition until a few nights back. I woke up to hearing the baby cry, not unusual, and, and so I was hearing this for a while, I, I thought, and so I got up and I stumbled out of the bedroom down the hall, and there Theodore was sleeping peacefully. <laughs> so when you're hearing babies crying in your dreams and it wakes you up, I think you can accurately diagnose yourself with having baby brain. Well, one of the things that probably exasperated this condition for me was last Monday being stuck in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic in Winnipeg. The streets were icy and all of these sorts of things, and when you're in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic for an hour, and then an hour and a half, and then two hours, 
and you've got a baby crying in the back seat, and a toddler who's pointing out every semi-truck he sees, and there's no, there's no point trying to ignore him because he will keep saying semi until you acknowledge that you have also seen the semi. So you just got to roll with it. And did I mention that we're driving to Alberta tomorrow? The full 11 hours in one shot? So I covet your prayers. <laughs> Needless to say in all of this, I have children on my mind. And aside from the crying... I have experienced this Christmas a tremendous blessing from being able to experience Christmas and everything that surrounds it, the Christmas story through the eyes of my boys. You see, for me, I'm 31 years old, and Jesus' birth is a very familiar story. I've heard it and celebrated it at least 31 times, but I've heard it many more times than that. And so for me, it's familiar, but to them, it's brand new. It's shiny, it's fresh, everything about it is exciting, and to experience that through my son is an exciting thing for me. And the lesson for us adults in this, I think, is that if we want to become a spiritual adult, if we want to become mature as Christians, we must first become a spiritual child. If we want to truly experience anew the wonder of Jesus as a baby, then we must look at him through the eyes of childlike faith. And by the way, I think that's a big part of the reason why children are so attracted to Christmas. Yeah, of course, there's the presents, right? That goes without saying. But I think children get the fact that Jesus came as a baby. Now, if you've ever been around toddlers or young children, for whatever reason, 99% of them love babies and like, Declan was a year and a half old, and he was already calling other kids babies, and some of them were older than him. And we said, no, Declan, if they're a baby, what does that say about you? But no, baby. And he's just always loved babies. And I've, I've seen other toddlers who are the same way. There's, there's an attraction about babies, infants. They're fresh, they're new, they're exciting. Charles Dickens wrote these words in A Christmas Carol. He said, "'It is good to be children sometimes.'" And never better than at Christmas, when its mighty founder was a child himself. Truly, Christmas is a time for children. It's a time for bringing that old story of Jesus' birth to a new and eager audience who are hearing it with fresh ears. And that is why the children's feature that we have every Sunday here in church is an incredibly important part of our worship service. You know, we don't just have the children's feature in here to keep them entertained. This is incredibly important to teach our children these old stories that we're so familiar with, that they're hearing with fresh ears, fresh eyes, experiencing God and the wonder of his story for themselves. It's not just a sideshow to have the children up here, though it feels that way sometimes when my son's running behind me while I'm reading the story. But you know what? It's, it's far more than just that. It is an important part of what we are called to do here, is to share this faith with the young children, with fresh eyes and ears to hear it. And so this morning, I want you to consider the following story from the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, if you would turn there with me. As you turn there, I want to make a statement, and I want you to think on this statement and whether or not you agree with it. The statement is this, sharing the Christmas story of Jesus' birth with the little children just now, a few minutes ago, 
Sharing that story is more important to the kingdom of God than this sermon that I'm sharing with you right now. What do you think about that statement? Sharing the Christmas story with those young children is more important than what I'm communicating with you right now. Now just think on that for a moment. And let's read again this story from Luke chapter 10. It begins like this. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. There is much that we can learn from this brief account. The first thing that we see is that introducing children to Jesus. Introducing children to Jesus is the most important thing we can do. And you can never introduce them too young. The younger they are, the better. It's been said that Children are like wet cement. Whatever falls on them makes an impression. Ever heard that before? (laughs) Children are like wet cement. Whatever falls on them makes an impression. Notice how it says in the text that people were bringing little children to Jesus. The Greek word used here is paideon, paideon, which if translated to our modern-day English, the closest word that we would use for it today is toddler. So these little children... The best description we would have today would be they're bringing toddlers to Jesus. The parallel account of this story in Luke 18, verse 15, emphasizes that people were also bringing babies to Jesus. The Greek word used for baby there is brephos, which is best understood in our English today as infant. So this is typically referring to those age one and under. So the point we take from this is that It's never too soon to start shaping that wet cement. There's no such thing as being too young to start introducing our children to Jesus. The question has to be asked, why? Why is it never too early? Children's hearts, children's hearts and minds are open and trusting in a way that adult hearts are not. So for a little boy or girl, it is quite easy to simply meet Jesus and accept his love, receive it, not question it, but simply embrace the fact that, yes, Jesus loves them. Yes, it's fun to sit on Jesus' lap, to hear him tell stories, to have him bless me. But the older we get, the more the cement in our hearts begins to set the more it accumulates various layers of doubt, skepticism, and cynicism. And the older we get and the more we become set in our ways, the harder it is for us to change. The harder it is for us to accept Jesus like a little child does. And sure, we can read and hear the same Bible stories the children do. You heard the same story that I read to the kids this morning. But unlike them, it takes a lot more to convince us. We need proof. We need compelling evidence. And then we need personal experience on top of that to validate it all. The fact is that a person's heart will never be more open and receptive to Jesus than when it is young. And that is why scripture tells us, Train up a child in the way he should go. 
Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Of course, this is not given as a guarantee, because at some point the child will need to make that personal decision for themselves. But this is a scriptural principle that points to the truth that if we want to see our children as mature Christians, as adults, following the Lord for themselves, if we want to see that as parents, then the best path to take that, for them to take is to teach them to love God when they are young, to introduce them to Jesus at an early age. This is the best path to seeing that ultimate goal of seeing them as adults growing up, loving the Lord for themselves. And so, of course, just like those parents who brought their young children to Jesus, with that same desire in their hearts, as a parent, I, of course, want to do the same for mine. A number of months ago, Declan comes up to me, and he tugs on my pant leg, and he says, Daddy, Daddy. And I finally give him my attention, he says, I read Jesus. <laughs> I read Jesus, Daddy. What that does to my heart, I just almost started crying. It, for a father to have his son say, I read Jesus, Daddy, just almost melted me right on the spot. What more can I hope for than to hear that he wants to hear more stories about Jesus? You know, this is just one of those things where it doesn't happen all in one foul swoop. But to hear that first expressed desire that he wanted to hear another story about Jesus... It's planting the seeds of what I pray and hope with nurturing and help will grow up into an adult who loves God and serves Him. You see, with God's help, with your help as parents, I'm going to do everything I can, and you as parents, I pray, will do everything you can to plant and to nurture those seeds of faith in children. And the younger they are, the better. Start when they are young. Even as they are older, don't wait. Continue to plant those seeds. Continue to try to nurture them as well as you can because you never know at what point they will take roots for themselves and to grow up into maturity. So don't wait. Begin introducing your children to Jesus as soon as possible. The second thing we learn from this story is don't view children as second-class citizens. In the story in Mark chapter 10, it appears that so many parents... So incredibly many parents were bringing their babies and toddlers to Jesus to have him bless them that it was actually keeping Jesus from ministering to the important people, the adults, right? They were the important people. You know, there was religious leaders and Pharisees and scribes and all sorts of important people there. These kids were just getting in the way and these parents parading by. And on top of that, Jesus is giving them his attention. The disciples can't figure it out. Why is Jesus ignoring these religious people, the important ones, and giving his attention to all of these babies, these rugrats? You see, the disciples viewed Jesus taking so much time to bless all of these children as nothing more than an interruption that was keeping him from the quote-unquote real ministry. You ever view that in the church sometimes? If, if we view what's happening here between us as adults, that this is the real ministry and the children's feature is just a thing on the side, Sunday school, children's church is just incidental. No, my friends, it's the other way around. That is the real ministry in Jesus' economy. You see, the disciples had it backwards, but they think they're doing the right thing. 
And so acting as Jesus' bodyguards or protectors and trying to, you know, keep them back on point on the real ministry, they rebuke the parents and start sending them and their kids away. Get out of here. Scram. Get lost. The word rebuke, in the Greek here, the word rebuke is a very strong word. It's a very strong word. It's not just a gentle, come on, can't you go find something else to do? It's a very strong rebuttal. It's in fact the same word that was used by Jesus when he rebuked the wind and the seas in the story in Mark chapter 4, where he calmed the ocean, or calmed the sea. The word rebuke, if you take it in the literal translation, is to be muzzled. So if you muzzled a dog, or you muzzle a horse, you're actually silencing it, you're physically silencing it, you're rebuking it to silence. It's the idea of strictly forbidding something with the threat of punishment if the command is not obeyed. So the disciples were not just gently suggesting the parents leave, they were harshly ordering them to get out of here, to scram. How dare they bother Jesus? Couldn't they see there was more important things he had to do? And before we get too hard on the disciples, before we say, those man, those disciples, why why did they miss the point so badly? We, of course, understand. Do we? Do we understand? Do we really see the world the way Jesus sees the world? I think we need to take a close look at our own hearts on this. We may be a little bit more like the disciples than we care to admit. You know, it can happen in very subtle ways. But consider, do you get as excited when you hear of a child accepting the Lord at, say, youth group or Bible camp as you do when you hear of an adult accepting the Lord? Do you have that same sort of enthusiasm and and, and excitement when you hear at junior youth, kids gave their lives to the Lord? Or if you hear about an adult giving their life to the Lord, where is your excitement level at? There's a story that I've shared before, a famous story of D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, who returned home from a meeting and reported to his wife that he had had two and a half conversions that night. And so his wife kind of laughed and asked, finally, so two adults and one child? No, he replied, just the opposite. Two children and one adult. The children gave their whole lives. The adult had only half a life left to give. Most of us like the idea of having a church full of children and young people. We love the idea of having youth and and the excitement that that brings, but then we have to ask ourselves, how many of us would balk at the changes that might bring? If that might bring changes to our music, to our worship, to our traditions. Sure, they can come, but they should maybe dress up a little bit more and behave a little bit better. It's subtle. Most of us like the idea of having more youth involved in church, but how many adults are going out of their way to get to know them, get to know their names, their backgrounds, their interests, their gifts, what they might be good at, encourage them, invite them to get involved. Say, hey, you've got a new idea? Let's go with it. We like the idea of it, but the actuality of it often reveals our true hearts. And though we may not be sending them away as overtly as the disciples did, sometimes our disinterest can have the exact same effect. Why would youth stay where no one cares about them, where no one takes interest in them? Jesus took interest in the children, and wherever Jesus went... You read these little footnotes throughout the Gospels. There were children present. 
Children were singing his praises. Children were there. When Jesus said, hey, bring this child to me, it wasn't, hey, go find some of the kids playing somewhere else. They were right there. Jesus brought a child because they were already around him. The children loved Jesus. He had a heart for them. His attention was towards them. And so they loved to be where there was attention given. You don't have to look very far to see examples of this. Where are you going to find people with kids around them? It's the sort of person who gives children attention. Some of you are those sorts of people. You know, the sort of person who just takes that time to say hi to that little guy who's tucked behind his dad's leg. You know, it's just noticing them. It goes a long ways. We need to guard against viewing children as second-class citizens. If for no other reason than this, Jesus is angered. Jesus is indignant at this type of treatment of children. Read this verse. When Jesus saw this attitude being expressed by his disciples, sending them away, it says this, Jesus saw and was indignant. That's a powerful word. Indignant. In fact, the word indignant here is one of the only places in all of Scripture that this word is used. There's a couple of other examples of it, and it was always used in a very powerful sort of a way. This wasn't just casually thrown out. If God is indignant at something, we'd better pay attention. If we take the root meaning of the word, it is to grieve much. To grieve much. Jesus is both mad and sad at the same time. He would not tolerate this attitude among his disciples, and he won't tolerate it amongst us either. We must guard against treating children as second-class citizens. Thirdly, we must welcome children, welcome them as Jesus did. Jesus followed up this indignation by saying, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them. Don't stop them. I want them. Bring them here. Bring them to me. You see, if you truly want to see Jesus in a new and fresh way this Christmas, welcome a little child into the wonder of God's story. You will see it in a fresh way when you introduce God's story to someone who's hearing it for the first time. If you want to have your eyes kind of opened up and that that shroud of familiarity just done away with, get your grandkids on your knee. Bring your child on your knee. Find someone else's kid, with their permission, of course. You know, share this story because they are getting it in a fresh and new way. Welcome the little children. There's, in Matthew 18, verse 5, this great example where Jesus is speaking to this crowd of people and he welcomes this little child and he brings the child to him. They didn't have to look far. And Jesus has this child as sort of an object lesson and he says to everyone else, whoever welcomes a little child like this And you can imagine a little boy or a girl right there on his knee, holding them there. He says, whoever welcomes a little child like this, in my name, welcomes me. Whoa! This is the God of the universe speaking. That when you take the time for a little child, you are welcoming God. Do you want to welcome God this Christmas? Do you want to welcome Jesus in a new and fresh way into your circumstances, into your heart, into your family? Welcome a child. Jesus says you're welcoming me when you do so. See, unfortunately, we can't go back in time to join the shepherds or the wise men in welcoming Jesus into the world. 
But right now, we can welcome a child onto our knee. Read them the story of Christmas, even if it's the 79th, 100,000th, quadrillionth time. We heard that number this morning, threw it up there. (laughs) Even if you've heard this story countless times, share it again. And you know what? In a few days' time, the vast majority of us will be spending time with family in yet another opportunity to welcome children into the wonder of God's story. Make no mistake about it. When you welcome them, you are welcoming Him. You know, I've discovered in my life that kids by nature want, desire to come to Jesus. And it's often us, we as adults, who get in the way. Jesus talked about this. He talked about putting a stumbling block. If, if, if you cause any one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for you to have a, a millstone hung around your neck, he says. Harsh words. Jesus is indignant, and he reserves his harshest punishment in the description of it for those who would put a stumbling block in the way of children coming to him. Kids by nature want to come to Jesus. So often we unwittingly put this list of do's and don'ts in front of them. We show them a form of religion, but we overlook what's most important, a relationship with God, a personal relationship. It's often overlooked. We show them a form of what it looks like, but miss the substance. Maybe sometimes because we've missed it ourselves. That it's about a relationship. It's not about do's and don'ts. And when we're in a right relationship with him, the do's and don'ts and desiring to live life God's way comes with it. But when we focus on the the religion, the binding the burdens on their backs, so often they miss the point because we've misrepresented God to them. We put a stumbling block in their path. In Matthew chapter 21, verses 14 to 16, There's an often overlooked story of what happened directly after Jesus chased all of the moneylenders and merchants out of the temple. I love this story. I want to read it for you here. Right after Jesus has just gone in there, and he, he uses a whip, and he's overturned tables, and he's like, get these things out of here. You've turned my house of prayer, my father's house of prayer, into a den of thieves. And it's this picture of Jesus, not meek and mild and gentle. It's a picture of action, of even violence power and authority. And then right after, this is what happens. Matthew 21, verses 14 to 16. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. Everyone else had run, and now the blind and the cripples are coming, and he's healing them. And then listen to this. But when the chief priests and teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, And the children shouting in the temple area. (laughs) The children were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Now listen to this. The chief priests, teachers of the law, they hear the children shouting in the temple area. They were indignant. Where did we just hear that word? Jesus was indignant because the disciples were sending the children away. And here we see the religious leaders. And the children are actually in the temple and they're shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. 
and it's loud and it's noisy, and they are indignant. Get these kids out of here. They're making a racket. They're making too much noise. They are indignant. And they say to Jesus, Do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? Notice here that it is the religious leaders who are indignant. Children are shouting in the temple. Children should be seen and not heard. That is their attitude. Of course, they had no problem with minutes earlier the merchants and the money changers making a racket. They had no problem with that. Why? Because it was the sound of money. They were profiting off of that. It was to their interest to have them there. But now children are the ones making noise. Children don't make any money for them. Get these kids out of here. The children cannot be allowed. And how does Jesus respond to them? Jesus loves it. Jesus loves the noise. Jesus loves the praise. Jesus loved the children. And the children clearly loved Jesus. When everyone else had run away from him, the children ran towards him. You know, I'd like to speak directly to any teenagers or kids here this morning. Sometimes we as adults, I'll be clear on this, sometimes we, and I include myself as adults, we get so caught up in our adult thinking and in the things that we think we're supposed to do that we neglect you. And sometimes you may have had adults who neglected you or even worse, said things or did things to you that hurt you, that damaged you in a way that is with you even today. Maybe it's left you discouraged Maybe it's left you disillusioned with God or the church. And the truth is that sometimes we as adults can be hypocrites. Where we've told you to do one thing and then gone and done the exact opposite. When we do this, we are wrong. We are wrong. Forgive us for ever having done this to you. Because like you... We need Jesus too. We just forget it sometimes. So forgive us if we've ever been hypocrites that has caused you to see God in a different way than we want you to. Because we want you to see God as he is. We need his help. And so I hope you know that. Would you forgive us for where we failed? You know... As adults, we're sometimes really good at hiding it, but we fail too. We need Jesus' help as much as any teenager, as much as any child, if not more. So forgive us for where we fail to represent God to you as well as we wanted to. And to all of you adults here today, let's not be like those disciples. Let's right now say, God forbid that we would be like those disciples and send those children away. That we would be like those religious leaders who said, these kids are making too much noise. Get them out of here. Let's draw a line in the sand and say, we are not going to be like that. I am not and this church is not. We are going to be like Jesus. We are going to welcome and celebrate these little lives just like Jesus did. Today can be the day where we say with certainty, we are going to take Jesus' attitude towards children in how we welcome them. 
And then finally, we need to learn from kids. We need to learn from the children. Notice the last part of Mark 10, verse 14 and 15. It says, For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. You want to look around and see who here is guaranteed best foot in the kingdom of God right now? Look at the little toddlers in the back rows and in the baby room. (laughs) That's what Jesus says. It's not me up here in the pulpit. Jesus says Declan's got it figured out as far as the kingdom's concerned. His heart is open. It's easy for him to understand. Me as an adult, this is where it gets complicated and hard. Jesus says, have your heart be like a little child or you'll never enter the kingdom. You know, one of Declan's favorite stories is of Jesus calming the storm. Or Jesus and the thunder, as he calls it. And so in his two-year-old mind, it's easy to believe that Jesus can simply calm the storm. Simple, right? No big deal. Dad says it's true. I read the story. Of course it's true. Jesus can do that. But then recently I heard an argument that attempted to dismiss that miracle as an embellished coincidence and that it's likely that the storm was about to naturally subside on its own anyways and that Jesus just timed it really well for a dramatic effect. Right? Let's just explain it away, because our minds can't rationalize someone with the authority to calm a storm. Another story that Declan enjoys is Jesus walking on the water. Again, no big deal. Jesus can do that. But a while ago, I was involved in a Bible study where the sort of tongue-in-cheek comment was made. Well, maybe Jesus just knew where the rocks were. You see here the difference between childlike faith and adult skepticism. And Jesus says that unless we enter God's kingdom with that kind of sincere faith, we cannot enter at all. That's a serious statement. It's not just, you know, it's harder to get in. He says you just can't do it. You need childlike faith. There's so much we can learn from it. Celeste Sibley, a one-time columnist for the Atlanta Constitution, took her three children to a diner for breakfast one morning. It was crowded, and so they had to take separate seats at the counter So Celeste was unable to lead her children in prayer as she normally would have. So undeterred, her eight-year-old daughter Mary was seated at the far end of the counter. And her food was brought to her and she looks around and everyone else is already eating. And with a loud voice, she just calls across the entire diner and says, Mom, don't people say grace in this place? (laughs) Well, that got everyone's attention. Everyone's quiet and swings down and looks at this precocious eight-year-old down at the end of the counter. What's going to happen? And the mom's face turns beet red. And the cook behind the counter turns to the little girl, gets down in her level and says, Yes, sister, we do pray in this place. Would you lead us? And so she says, Everyone bow. And so everyone bows their head. And in a clear voice, she says, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. Amen. And a loud chorus of amens rang out through the diner. From the lips of children and infants, he has ordained praise. When you think about it, faith is not so much taught as it is caught. Faith must be inspired and modeled consistently. 
You see, if it's important to pray before meals at home as a family, then it had better be important to pray before meals at a restaurant too. Because children are watching. Are we hiding something? Or are we consistent in our faith, in how we live? So let me ask you, how is your faith today? Is it childlike? I pray that it is. Introduce children to Jesus when they are young. Don't view children as second-class citizens. Welcome children like Jesus did and learn from children. So let me encourage you this Christmas. Seek out a child that you can welcome in Jesus' name. And by doing so, you will not only be welcoming Jesus, but you will be opening the door wide open to that child to welcome him into their heart. Maybe this Christmas will be the one where children in your life Say, Jesus, I believe, come in. It's really that easy for them. Let's be a part of welcoming them into his kingdom. Would God bless you and your family this Christmas? And I want to encourage you, for those of you who are saying, you know what, my kids are long gone and growing up, but if you're grandparents here today, you have a unique position to welcome Jesus into your grandchildren's lives as well. And not a better opportunity is going to come your way than this Christmas in your family gatherings. Read the Christmas story, sing the carol, share the truth of what God has done. And God will bless it. God will be in it, I guarantee you that. So may God bless you and yours this Christmas season. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, today we think of you. We think of you, O Lord, as the one who said, let the little children come to me. And It is so awesome to think that you were once a child yourself. That you were an infant and then a toddler and then even a teenager. It's hard for us to think of you that way. And yet, Lord, you experience growing up as each one of us has. And so you identify with us. You know the the joys and the the hopes for the future that children have in their hearts. You know the the sort of discouragement that comes from a, a harsh word from those we look up to or when disappointments or rebuke is sent our way often harshly. Lord, you know how these things can mold and shape a young life so radically, one way or the other. And so, Lord, you know how we, each of us, carries these these things with us, even from our own childhoods. And to that child in each one of us, you say, come to me. I love you. Come to me. I want to bless you. Come to me with childlike faith, and I will not send you away. I will welcome you with open arms. Thank you, Lord. And thank you that we can be your representative to do the same thing to children in our lives. I pray, Lord, for any parents here this morning, that you would give them much wisdom and grace in planting those seeds of faith and nurturing them. I pray, Lord, for us as a church family that we would stand by these families, stand by these children and help nurture them in this community of faith. Father, I pray that we would today have a consistent testimony that we would nurture young lives and welcome them, celebrate them, disciple them to know you, to love you, and to serve you with their lives. For we know, Lord, that this is your plan. And so bless each home this Christmas, I pray. Bless this community. May your kingdom come, in Jesus' name. Amen.